the love of Christ compels us. It draws us. We have no choice. It demands our all. Oh God, thank you for the truth of that. Amazing truth of the simplicity of those words and yet the incredible depth of the power of those words in our lives. May we live in that way for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to release the children through grade four. And um, even as we look in the book of Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, and um, I forgot something down here. Excuse me. I'll be right back. So the title of the message this week is Say What? You know, and I don't know if you've ever had anything unexpected happen in your life, but my daughter Trish, right, she gave me for Father's Day, she gave me um, a DNA testing kit. (laughs) Any of you done that? Okay, a few of you, all right. So I grew up in a home where my dad told me, you know, that his mom was Czech and his dad was Czech and he was full blood Czech, so that makes me at least 50% Czech, right? And then my mom told me we're Scottish and Welch and Irish, and so I'm pretty sure, but my daughter thought it would be good if I, if I got this test, and so I went through the process of sending in the sample, and, and then you wait, right? And we're all really good at waiting, aren't we? You know, especially in this day and age. And so the company was very good at sending these emails that says, we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it. And so then all of a sudden this week I got an email that said, your results are in. And I was so excited to open it. And... Doris... I am 13% Scandinavian. Oh, oh my goodness. Unexpected. But now I know why when when I'm singing songs, this hand's up and this hand refuses to go up. <laughs> Last night I was sharing this and Brian Ogney was here and he says I need to have one of these now. King Oscar, what, what's that about, Doris? Ah, uh, you can tell me later. What do you think your brother would think of that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you can't? Well, you should sit on that side. <laughs> it's King Oscar in a can, I guess. I don't know. It has, uh, he left me a can of King Oscar as well, so I don't know what that means. You ready, Dal? There you go. Unexpected. Unexpected things happen in our lives. I'm learning to deal with this, but I'm sure it will, it will be a lifelong process. So I opened it, and it was like, say what? Say what? Yeah, unexpected. How do you respond to the unexpected things in your life? The text that we're looking at today allows us to see how the Jewish community responded 
to what happened when Peter went to seek Cornelius. Now, I'm not sure in Hebrew or Aramaic they have the, the phrase, say what? You know, but I think that what we see here is them responding in that way. And what we're going to see, did I release the children? Okay, good. All right. It's that Scandinavian part of me that's just, I, I don't know. Oh, it's so good to have something to blame that on. All right. Uh, uh, okay, focus. What we're going to see is that we can trust God as we respond to the unexpected. We can trust God as we respond to the unexpected things that happen in our lives. And my sense is that each one of us here have, have experienced something unexpected or will or maybe are right now. Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. It came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, birds. Then I heard a, vo a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up into heaven. Right then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you the message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's an amazing passage of Scripture in such an important place. I, I've, I've come to understand that these two chapters are so critical and important for the, the continuing redemptive story of Scripture, the redemptive history and how that unfolds for us. And to see that it's at this point in time that, that the, the gospel comes to the Gentile nation. All of Scripture has been looking forward to this moment. And, and so as we, as we look at this and we read this, we understand the significance of it. But we also understand that even as Luke penned this, 
And this is something I find most fascinating every time. As, as the Holy Spirit was inspiring Luke to write this, God looked ahead and knew that you'd be sitting here right now. That we would be here. That we'd be looking at this text. And that, that you would have whatever's going on in your life right now happening in your life so that God could speak into that for his glory. That's the power of this living word of God. You can trust God as you respond to the unexpected. The first thing we see is we can be quick to criticize the unexpected, can't we? We can be quick to criticize the things in our life that happen that are unexpected. I don't know if that happens for you, but it did for them. The apostles and believers heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So the idea here is Peter's been up in, in Caesarea, northern in Caesarea, and, and now he's making his way back to Jerusalem. And it talks about him coming up to Jerusalem. And that's, you know, we've talked about that before, the idea that even though Caesarea is north of Jerusalem, that we're always making an aliyah when we go to Jerusalem. So you're always going up to Jerusalem, even if you're coming from the north. And so it's important when you see that in text, you remember, oh yeah, that's right. And so as he, as he makes his way up to Jerusalem, the news gets there before him. Has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever had a situation where, where something happened in your life and you went to talk to a person and the news got there before you did? Or has it happened in reverse, where you heard something before the person could get to talk to you about what happened? See, and we can be quick to criticize that if it's something that's unexpected. And that's what this group of believers did. These are the circumcised believers. So these are the Jewish believers, and, and they're criticizing him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. There's this idea of what they've heard. What they've heard is a group of people have come to trust Jesus as their Savior. They have found salvation. They've heard that, and the response that they have is criticism. And you're like, wow, I'd never do anything like that. Hooey. We can do that, can't we? See, because what happened here is, and boy, we can't fault them, because this is, this, is, this is something new that God is doing. This is the unfolding. It's not like, oh, what should we do now? No, God has been planning it from the beginning, but it's the new covenant that's being revealed. And it's, and it's happening. And, and we looked at the surprising aspect of that last week, but, but God is continuing to reveal himself, and it's, he's revealing himself in a new way, and they're looking at that, and they're, they're trying to understand what it means. But, but they look at this, and they say, you were eating with uncircumcised people. And that's not the way God works, is, is more or less the implication of what they're saying. And see, sometimes what can happen is, is when we hear about God moving, but it's not the way that we expect him or have been taught that he needs to move, we can pretty quickly begin to criticize what has been happening. One of the things I love about our short-term missionaries' work and and, and even our long-term missionaries, and we got a couple with us today. Hi, how are you guys? I just saw you. Um, 
You know, the things that happen are outside of our box, aren't they? The things that happen in, you know, in, in, when you're out on the field. And when we begin to understand that and see that, we have Craig Pape who, who works with India here. When you go into India and Bangladesh, the way that God works in our American box can be a little bit different, right, Ron? Okay? Quite different. And when we hear those reports back, we have to be careful. But it helps us to understand that God moves as God has determined. And even if it comes in unexpected ways, we have to be careful that we don't have God in a box that would cause us to criticize what's happening. Now, for, the, for these people, though, understand that they're brought up with this understanding of who God is and how he, how he expects them to respond to him. One of, the, one of the books that the Jewish people would have studied and would have looked at is the book of Jubilees. It was written about the second century B.C. And, and it was called the Lesser Genesis. And it, and it was a, a, a belief that the Jews had at the time. And, and one of the verses in there, Jubilee 22.16 says, Separate thyselves from the nations, eat not with them, and do not according to their works. And become not their associate, for their works are unclean, and all their ways are an abomination. So as we think about it, for the Jewish people, they felt strongly that they were called out, called apart, set apart to be a people of God. And to do that, there was a way that they needed to live. There were times in their history where they moved way away from that. There were times that they moved way close to it. There still are. And so as we look at that and see that at the time of Christ, this was something that was really happening. And, and it was really real that they would be very careful. And what we discovered as we went to Israel is that the, the dietary laws and those types of things that the Jewish people follow are things that we don't understand. You know, like you can't have dairy with meat and, you know, and, and just certain things that are, are in their dietary laws. So part of the reason that they weren't, they weren't uh, eating with Gentiles is because Gentiles were not aware of the dietary laws. So just by not being aware, the way that the food was prepared could make the people who ate it unclean. The Jewish people would become unclean just because it hadn't been prepared properly. So there's this aspect of the Jewish people wouldn't eat with the Gentiles just because there was a risk that they could become unclean. So as, as the apostles and the believers are hearing that the gospel went forward to the Gentiles, I can imagine on one hand they're celebrating, they're saying, this is good, but Peter, you've got to talk to us about this. Because you did something we're not supposed to do. So how have, how have you been quick to criticize that which is unexpected? When you've seen unexpected things happen in your life or in other people's lives, have you been quick to criticize or have you been careful to see what God is doing in the midst of it? This next thing we see is that you need to recount carefully the details of the unexpected. We need to be ready. If we're going to trust God to respond in the unexpected, we need to realize people are going to be quick to criticize that sometimes, but we need to be quick to recount very carefully the unexpected things that are happening. And we see that in Peter's recounting. 
It says, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Okay? And so, I don't know about you, but guys, this isn't something that comes easy for us, is it? You know, we come home at the end of the day, and and our wives want to know what's going on in our lives, and did you have a good conversation? Yep. What did he say? What did you say? What did he say? What did you say? I already did this once. I don't want to do it again, right? Yeah? Any guys like that? Oh, come on. Don't throw me under the bus. All right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and oh, I'm trying to get so much better at that, but I still have a long way to go. But Peter gives us an amazing example of what it means to be very careful to recount every detail of God working in an unexpected way. Luke does a, a masterful job here in these two chapters. You remember, Luke did a lot of research and carefully searched out what was going on so that he could give an accurate account. And so that first, and this is the third time we're going to see this, this account given. And sometimes we can come to a passage like this and we're like, all right, Luke, come on, you, you already told us this, it's just a repeat of what we read before. But it's important to see that Luke in the first account is giving us what he's researched and what he's come to understand. The second of this account, the second part of chapter 10, is Cornelius' perspective. And then this part is Peter's recounting. It's Peter's perspective. And you'll see that they're very similar, but there's some differences because of the perspective. Just as if, if we had all seen something happen and we all talked about what we saw, we'd each see something different. Margaret proved that perfectly, okay? As I showed the t-shirt over here, you had one perspective, but Margaret had another, didn't she? And so as we look at that and we see that, we can see that that's why God has put this here because this is such an important moment in salvation history. So Peter tells the whole story. And it, it basically is the story of the sheet coming down and, and the unclean things on there. The one, there's a couple of things that are different. One, when he sees it, then he says, no, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. In the first account, Luke says, he's never eaten anything. But here, as Peter's saying it, he's saying, it's never even entered my mouth. It's never even come close. There's not even a chance that I could have eaten anything unclean. It hasn't even come near me. And then he says that God told him not to call anything impure that God has cleansed or made clean. And then he talks about the sheet being pulled up instead of taken up. It's pulled up. So there was apparently a quickness to that. And as soon as the sheet was pulled up, there was a knock on the door. And he tells us right then that it happened right at that moment. These three men came from Cornelius and that the spirit had told him to have no hesitation. So what he's been doing as he recounts this, this, this situation, this event that happened in his life, this most unexpected thing, as he's been doing this, he's been able to, to reveal to the Jewish believers, the, uncircum, or the circumcised believers, how God has been in the midst of this. God has revealed it in a vision. God has been speaking to him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's been doing this. And so he's been giving testimony to this. But then all of a sudden he comes to this line and it says these six brothers and you're like, which six brothers? 
So apparently what happened was Peter, as he came up to Jerusalem, he brought six people who were with him. So they'd been traveling with him probably since he'd been in Caesarea. And they were there as he was talking to the apostles and the believers. And so in the Jewish tradition, two or three witnesses would be needed. He brought six. And so he said, these six brothers, these six brothers, so not only does, do you have his recounting, but you have the six brothers who are there saying, yes, that's exactly the way it happened. And they entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen an angel appear and say, send for me. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Amen. We talked last week about about Peter coming to the house and everybody saying, okay, we're waiting to hear what you have to say for us. That's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for the message through which their whole household could be saved. Isn't it great to know there is a message through which every person can be saved? Isn't it great to know that there's a message through which Every person can be saved. And you who have been saved have been trusted with that message. And to know that there are people who God is stirring in their heart to want to know that message. And he brings them into your life. Now, probably, I have not yet had this happen to me. Maybe you have, Aaron, where someone has come up to you and said, an angel appeared to me and said, you have the message that's going to save me and my entire family. Has that ever happened to you? Not quite yet, no. But I wonder if it doesn't happen. I wonder if it doesn't happen when people ask, how do I make sense of this? How does this, how does this, how can God, how can a loving God allow bad things to happen? That's really a question that's asking, is there a way that I can be saved? Peter recounts carefully all the events that happened. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as on us at the beginning. Oh man, could you imagine? The apostles are here. It says the apostles and... So as the apostles are there and they remember that day of Pentecost, Shavuot, as the tongues of fire came on and they spoke in tongues and, they, and, they, and it was clear that the Holy Spirit was moving in a powerful way. And as Peter said, the Holy Spirit came on them as on us in that same kind of power. Not, not in the same method. There weren't the tongues, but that power came on them. I imagine the apostles were like, oh my goodness. Can you imagine? See, the Holy Spirit has come on you like that. If you've come to a place where you've recognized that your sin has separated you from God and that you need to have a Savior, 
And that Jesus Christ is not just a Savior, but he longs to be your Savior. And as you've come to a place where you've recognized that God Almighty who created everything desires a relationship with you, and as you've turned to him and asked for forgiveness for the things that have earned his wrath, and you've said, Lord, align me with your will, as you've come to do that, if you've come to understand it, it's because the Holy Spirit has made it clear to you. And he has come on you and in you. And that's an amazing thing. Unexpected too, isn't it? I tried a great majority of my life to make myself unchoosable. But God's grace is greater than our sin. So, how can you learn to more carefully recount the unexpected? Peter was able to recount the unexpected because he was expecting God to speak into his life. Peter was, was in a time of prayer, remember? He was expecting God to speak into his life. He was expecting God to do great things through his life. He was expecting that God would do unexpected things. And so as such, when those unexpected things happened, he was able to identify them so that he could recount them. And if we're not careful, we casually go through our days and we miss the places that God is working. And our testimonies end up being 40 years old instead of fresh from yesterday. Because God worked in your life yesterday. You need to trust God as we respond to the unexpected. Finally, remembering God's word brings peace and praise in the unexpected. Peter says, I remembered what the Lord said. I remembered what the Lord said. That, that took me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, one of the chapters that talk about the night that Jesus was betrayed and how he has this special time with his disciples, giving them special intimate teaching. So powerful to look at these chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. They're, they're intimate words that Jesus teaches into the lives of his disciples that we can learn from. But in, in chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So as Peter says, then I remembered what the Lord said. The apostles were like, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Unmistakably, listen, if you remember the things that the Lord said, it's because the Holy Spirit has reminded you. That's one of his roles in your life. Do you memorize scripture? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have, you. have you taken Scripture and have you placed it in your heart? Have you memorized it so that at the moment when you need it most, the Holy Spirit can remind you of what the Lord has said? Such an important part. We memorize all sorts of things that are useless. But the Word of God is useful teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped. So as we look at that and think of that, Peter remembered what the Lord had said, and, I, and then as the apostles took hold of that, he gave them the same gift he gave us. 
who believed in Jesus Christ. And who was I to think I could stand in the way? And they had no further objections because they saw that even to the Gentiles, God had granted repentance that leads to life. So there's this idea of remembering what God had said and knowing who he is that's so critical and so important as we face the unexpected. One of the most important reasons to be looking at Scripture is so that you can learn the nature and character of God. Learning the nature and character of God and who He is and what His plan is and how He's working out His plan and how it unfolds throughout salvation history. As we learn the nature and character of God, when the unexpected things come into our lives, we're able to see God move because we understand and know His nature and His character. And as we begin to grab hold of those things, we begin to see the things that happen in our lives in a completely different way. Chip Ingram tells the story of a Chinaman. And maybe you've heard this story before. If you have, forgive me. If not, it's a fresh one and you're going to love it. But there was a Chinaman who lived right on the border of China and Mongolia. And they were at war. And this Chinaman had a beautiful mare. And one day the mare burst out of the stable and ran into Mongolia and was lost. And his friends all came around him and said, oh, that's bad. The Chinaman said, how do you know it's bad? Maybe it's good. About three, four days later, the mayor came back with a stallion. All the neighbors came around and said, oh, this is good. And then the Chinaman said, how do you know it's good? Maybe it's bad. The next day, the Chinaman's son was out trying to break the stallion. And he was thrown from the horse. And broke his leg severely. And the neighbors all came around and said, oh, that's bad. And the Chinaman said, how do you know that's bad? Maybe it's good. A week later, a general came through, took all the young men from the village, and took them into Mongolia, into battle, and they all died. Except the Chinaman's son, who couldn't go because of his broken leg. And the Chinaman said, see, what you thought was good was bad, and what you thought was bad was good. Listen, when you come to a place in your life where you, where you seek to know the nature and the character of God and seek to see how you fit into his plans instead of constantly trying to make him fit into yours, when you come to a place where you understand his nature, his character, that he's got an eternal plan that he's working out through finite beings, when you begin to understand that when you begin to grasp that you're part of an eternal plan and that the things that come into your life are either allowed or decreed by a sovereign God who is working out his plan as he has determined and as he has designed when the unexpected things come into your life you can say who knows maybe this is good All I know is what happens to me is less important than how I handle what happens to me. And as I seek to have God reveal his glory through the situation that's happening in my life, I begin begin to see the unexpected as an opportunity for his plan to be fulfilled. Even when I don't understand what it means. 
And that's what these Jewish believers, they praised God. Don't understand it. Don't get it. Don't understand it all. But we know that sovereign, that God is sovereign. We know all throughout Scripture that the plan was for the Gentiles to receive the good news. So we're going to praise God. Because he's given the same gifts to the Gentile. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of repentance. See, granted repentance that leads to life. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. The kindness of God leads you to repentance. It's a gift that you would see the things in your life that are opposed to God. And he puts his fingers on those things so that you can repent from those things and align your life with him. So that whatever's happening in your life, whatever unexpected thing is happening, you can see him working and you can Praise him with peace in the midst of that. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. The mercy of God continually revealing itself. Unexpectedly, I'm Scandinavian. I have no idea how God could use that. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. That's a funny illustration. The truth is, there's things in our lives that aren't funny, aren't there? There's diagnoses. There's accidents, there's job loss, there's business losses, there's relationship strains, there's all these unexpected things that come in our lives. Some of them feel good, and some of them don't feel so good. May I tell you that everything that has come into your life has been allowed or decreed by God, and you can trust him in the midst of your unexpected situation. So what? What is one way I can be more intentional about seeing God move in the unexpected? Take a minute. Write something down. Text yourself. What is one thing this week you could do to see or hear God, I thank you, Father, Sovereign God. Help us to be constantly amazed by you. Give us eyes that see where you're working, ears that hear where you're working, hands that are engaged with you. God, help us see you in the unexpected and help us join with you there. Peter asked the question, when I, saw, when I saw it was God who was working, who was I to think I could stand in the way? Oh God, keep us from standing in the way of what you're doing. Help us see what you're doing and join with you for your glory and in your name. Amen. Amen. May I please ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you. The Lord bless you keep you.
Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Oh, I love you. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship. God bless you.